Bulletcast for life. Get up, get up! This is a revolution! This is our time to rise! Look what is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Bulletcast, episode 180. And yes, it might sound a little different because your boy, the Canadian destroyer Brandon Tanguma, is hosting today. But, you know, I never do this alone. It's my tag team partner. He's my Jimmy to my J, the Tully to my Arn, even though I think that's what he says to me. So just flip it and reverse it the other which way. Philip Antoine, the formerly the Podfather, now the Microphone Messiah, and all the other nicknames. Philip, how are you doing today? Brandon, I'm doing fantastic. I hope maybe I sound a little bit different. Got a new microphone, guys. Got got some new equipment. You know, we're trying to we're trying to upvamp the uh, the audio and the production of the BC over here. We have something brand new that's going to be coming to the show in about four or five or six weeks that I'm really excited about. I loved uh, creating this over the past couple days, and I hope everybody's going to like it once we uh, eventually debut it. I'm not going to tell you what it is until we throw it on the Instagram. But Brandon, he 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 knows what it is. I absolutely do know what it is. I have seen it. I haven't seen it in person quite yet, but I know you guys will be excited and will love to see it whenever it comes to fruition. Absolutely. So, I mean, Brandon, how does it feel to host, man? How does it feel to be in the big chair? It feels just fine. You know, I host on my other show, Curveballs and Share Shots. If you guys want to go check it out, I, ha- I we did a YouTube live last night where we previewed the entire MLB season. So if you want, go check that out. But we will releasing the audio version in a few days. So go and check that out. Shout out Mr. X. I know Mr. X will be very excited to see who where I have his Cincinnati Reds landing this year. But let's just jump right into it. We have WrestleMania. In the news, we have WrestleMania 37 coming here to the Golden State, going down south in L.A. in the new Rams and Chargers Stadium. Rumors are speculating that maybe WrestleMania could be canceled. WWE is waiting until seemingly late December for Governor Gavin Newsom or whoever they really need to get a hold of to kind of make a ruling on large event gatherings. I mean, when this whole thing started down at WrestleMania this year, we were thinking maybe SummerSlam could be the time where we come back to crowds, but it's not the case. Normally, WrestleMania tickets go on sale around November. I know me personally, I want to go to this, but at the moment, I I know I'm going to get refunded if it gets canceled, but at this moment, I'm not willing to put away my money, especially how much money WrestleMania is for something that ultimately I feel might not happen with the crowd. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I mean, there, there there have been rumors going around that the next WrestleMania with actual fans was promised to Tampa because of what happened with the virus this year. And then there are also rumors speculating that, like you said, you know, if uh, Newsom agrees that large uh, crowd gatherings can happen again, then WrestleMania 37 going Hollywood is going to go on as planned. But I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, we, we've seen what WWE and AEW have done with, like, um, the the wrestlers or trainees or whatever in attendance, but there are some indie uh, promotions that are actually running shows again with real fans in attendance, and it's not like a sold out. It's you know it's a limited capacity. Everybody's wearing masks and stuff, so maybe that's just going to be the new norm for the foreseeable future. NASCAR did just run their All Star race, and they had about twenty thousand fans at this event. I believe it's the largest gathering. I don't know of any kind, but definitely here in the United States. So there's a possibility that maybe WrestleMania could just move somewhere else where the limits aren't as great. I mean, obviously California, New York, you know, a lot of the bigger cities, Florida seemingly is it's Florida. So they, they're, they're just kind of their own separate entity over there. But at this moment, I'm hoping I'm trying to stay positive that WrestleMania will go on with fans at in California in LA, but at this moment, I'm not too sure about that. Maybe it's going to be like limited, where it is socially distanced, and it won't be sixty thousand people. Maybe it's like thirty thousand or twenty thousand people in a in a stadium spaced out. But then that kind of is even worse because crowds to begin with in a stadium are kind of meh, and then if you even have a third of the people in a stadium, it's going to sound kind of weird. Yeah, it will. But th- here's the thing, like. We're going to be clamoring to get back uh, to a wrestling show. I I think it'll work. You know, have go back to the days when WrestleMania was in arenas and have like twenty 
thousand, twenty five thousand, thirty thousand people there, I, they'll blow the roof off the place because we're just gonna we're gonna pop for everything. And if we're gonna be technical, technically. You know, it's safer in theory to be outside than inside. So even though maybe there might be more people in a stadium, I think the experts might say that it might be a little safer to have like 20,000 people spaced out in a 70,000 stadium than having eight to 10,000 people spaced out in like a 20,000 seat arena. Absolutely. Abs- absolutely. Well, Philip did still write the script and everything like that. So some of these things I might not be too sure of, but it says here that apparently Roman Reigns is being considered the best Royal Rumble competitor of all time. And you know, my boy Stone Cold holds the record for most Royal Rumble victories at three. We're not going to talk about that 97 win where it might have been a little tainted, but it's still a win nonetheless. Philip, why is Roman Reigns being considered the greatest Royal Rumble competitor of all time? Well, this is something Roman threw on his Twitter uh, after we recorded last week, and uh, uh, best or most important, the 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 thing he the the point he's trying to make is he's probably the most important Royal Rumble competitor of all time. Look at the last five years, 2020, 19, 18, 17, 16. He was the last. He was uh, one of the final two in all those Rumbles, but he didn't win. You look at it, 2016, Triple H goes on to become the champion again. Uh, 2017, I, I forgot who won that. I think Orton won that Rumble. You look at 2018, Shinsuke did it. 2019, Seth did it. 2020, Drew McIntyre did it. You know, he's always in the bottom two. We're like, oh my God, he's going to do it again. But no, somebody else gets a, a chance in their time to shine. So that's the point Roman was trying to make there. I could see that in kayfabe terms that Roman can be considered the greatest modern day Royal Rumble competitor because he has won. Uh, I mean, from a fan's perspective, the time he has won, it wasn't the most uh, glorious times in the wrestling world where he got booed out of the building. But, you know, he's entitled to his own opinion, and Big Dog's going to Big Dog. Yes, sir, because he's the best. Then we got The Undertaker Last Ride Documentary Part 6. Definitely watch this. Fantastic piece of cinema. If you want to go check it on the WWE Network. Philip, what did you think about this? Well, Brandon, it hasn't aired yet. Oh, well. Yeah. I got I got a special uh, up-close, you know, behind-the-scenes oh. media oh. preview of it. Okay, okay. Uh, no, the, the rumor has it they did a, a bonus episode of this, and it's supposed to come on uh, Sunday night right after Extreme Rules, the horror show. Which the Bulletcast title is on the line for this Sunday. About time. No, excuse me. Hold, hold on, hold on. How many times did Hogan actually defend the title when it mattered? Okay, on TV, not a lot. All right, you could say that. But you could say that all the time on the on the road on the house shows. Oh yeah, because he had to go over, or else it wasn't going to happen. I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not that kind of guy. I mean, if oh. history is any indication, you've been going over for like the past eight months because it's, oh. it's been a struggle for your boy. I, just because I know the business. That's all. I'm not politicking that I have to win here. I'm not doing that. Major struggle bunny for you, boy. You you could you could uh you you could get the job done. We don't know. We'll find out. We will find out. And then finally, apparently, Will Ospreay in the news for not so great reasons. He was a part of the speaking out movement, not because of any direct allegations, but you know maybe helping out. With one of his friends, apparently, Philip, it says here on the script, I know nothing about this, even though I am the Bill Will Osprey guy, that apparently he has commented about possibly committing suicide. Not like he's, yeah, I'm just going to let Philip handle this because before I say something stupid. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I saw the circulating around that uh, apparently he had thoughts of committing suicide once his name was a part of the uh, speaking out movement. And Brandon, I mean, you said there were no actual allegations towards him, correct? Not that I have seen. So what, what, was his, what was his actual part in this? Basically, what I have seen is one of his friends committed some heinous actions, and he kind of helped not exactly cover it up, but he kind of blackballed the woman who is, you know, giving out these allegations and kind of blackballed her from the UK business and what he runs because he does run some indie shows and B Priestley is also involved because she's apparently not the best person in the world to work with as well. Wow, that's um, that's that's unfortunate. 
Um, the whole look. Uh, ah, this, 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 this is the, the suicide's always a very touchy and uh, interesting subject to talk about. I mean, there there are cases where people will think somebody committing suicide is just a cheap way out, and then also we don't know what people are going through. We don't know what's going on with their psyche, their state of mind, you know. And uh, Osprey, I mean, he as far as we know, he didn't commit any of these heinous actions, but help being cover it up that's not exactly great either and um you know i hopefully you know he doesn't actually go through with it i don't want, we don't want to see anybody lose their life but uh don't 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 go there man you know just uh i, I i've heard people say you know you have to have extremely thick skin to be in the wrestling business and that's true with any sort of performance or entertainment business just you know just you, you gotta you gotta deal with the punches that are gonna be thrown at you my guy Absolutely. And if you guys are having any issues out there, there's hotlines, there's people to talk to. So definitely go and seek the help that you need. So let's make a sharp right turn and let's go to inside of the ring as we talk about New Japan. It's been a while since we've talked about New Japan, but they have a new IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental champion. Dominion was this past weekend the first major wrestling show with fans in attendance, socially distanced, about third of the capacity was in Osaka Joe Hall for the New Japan Cup Finals, which Evil won, as well as the Dominion show, which Evil also won. A shocking turn of events. The entire New Japan Cup, Evil was definitely leaning towards a heel turn, faced his partner Sonata in the semifinals, gives him a low blow, which was kind of Evil's move throughout the entire run of the tournament, faces Okada, beats him, and then he ends up joining the Bullet Club during the finals. So with New, J- or with New Japan being very heavily Japanese wrestlers at the moment because of the uh, pandemic and not a lot of the Gaijins being able to wrestle, and the Bullet Club is, be- is a heavily Gaijin faction, I feel as though Evil is a perfect uh, person to step into that role and kind of be the, the de facto leader right now while Jay White is out and Kenta isn't really anywhere to be seen as well. But then... He goes and defeats his former companion, LIJ member Naito, and he beats him to become the new IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental champion. A lot of interference from the Bullet Club, which normally we don't see a lot of in New Japan. They've kind of gone away from that, especially with the Bullet Club shenanigans, but they're kind of going back to their old ways. And a shock, definitely. Naito only holding the title for a few months, and that also includes like the three-month layoff. So not a whole lot he did as champ champ, but Evil getting a major push coming out of this shutdown, and he is the double champ, Philip. He is. Everything is evil. Um, I'm, I'm not a New Japan guy. We know this, but I'm like, evil? E- Bullet Club? Double champ champ? IWGP champ? I'm for it. I'm for it. Evil's always intrigued me. Um, you know, seeing the like clips of the G1 and Dominion and all these other uh, New Japan shows. But you have to look at it, man. 2013-14, the rock and roll era, Balor's era, 2014 through 2016, the AJ Styles era, you have 2016-2018, the elite era, 2018-2020, the cutthroat era, and now 2020, the evil era. I like it, man. They're, 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 they're constantly evolving. They're, they're always changing it up. By the way, Brandon, what's, what's your favorite era of the Bullet Club? Well, I feel as though we've said this multiple times, and I keep restating it that it is the aj styles era because that's the first bullet club era that i watched and got me into new japan and here we are today oh wow oh, absolutely you know because of aj styles bullet club you're on the bullet cast exactly so i feel as though it was a shock but new japan especially the the higher end people it's always kind of the same you got naito tanahashi and okada and I think right now they're definitely trying to build up new stars, especially since there aren't any Gaijins there at the moment. So I think Evil is definitely a good pick. And I mean, his name is literally Evil. And how long did we think he was going to be a babyface for? So very intrigued to see what happens. There's some new matches. And Hiromu Takahashi has challenged him. He was supposed to have that match against Naito, but that got canceled. So now he's going to face off against Evil in a few weeks, I believe. And definitely excited to see that as Hiromu tries to avenge Naito. Hiromu, isn't that the guy that got his neck broken in the Cow Palace? Yes. 
Oh, that God. is correct. I remember that. Jesus, that was. That, that, Are that, you that sure? Because was... I thought you were asleep during that whole thing. I woke up just in time for that. Yeah, when a uh, Dragon Lee hit him with that uh, package with like bridging suplex or whatever, and like his neck just like dragged against the mat for a little bit. I'm like, oh God. Oh man. Mm. Uh, Brandon, what's next, bud? Well, on that note, let's go to this day in wrestling history. We got WCW Bash at the Beach 1995, not the one in 96 where we get Hogan turning heel. We got the Hulkamania still running wild in WCW. We got ECW Heat Wave 2000. We'll talk about ECW Heat Wave 99 a little bit in the match pick. We got TNA Victory Road 2006, and we got Bobby Lashley turning 44. And apparently, it is also Excalibur's birthday, and he is turning the big old 4-0. Absolutely. Uh, the WCW Bash to the Beach 95, that's where uh, Big Van Vader takes a loss to Hulk Hogan in a steel cage match for the WCW title. And Heat Wave 2000, Just Incredible, defeated Tommy Dreamer to become the ECW champion. And Victory Road 2006, it was just a cluster with Bully Ray, Jeff Jarrett, Sting, AJ, they were all there. Yes. Yes, sir? Well, now it's time for everyone's favorite favorite segment, the fan mail. I don't have authorization to read the fan mail, so this is still Phillips' segment. Oh, 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 God, oh, God. All I, right. don't get, I don't get the passwords. Oh, 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 hey, hey now. Oh, oh, we have another one of these. All right, so Dan says... Who is the greatest female manager of all time? And the picture shows Vicky Guerrero, AJ Lee, Sonny, Trish Stratus, Sensational Sherry, and Sable. It's Sherry, dude. I mean, you look. Uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, Harlem Heat when she was Sister Sherry. She managed Ric Flair for a little bit. She had her dealings with uh, the model Rick Martel. Um, the Macho King, of course, it's Sensational Sherry. But I, personally, I, I love Vicky Guerrero, who we're going to talk about later on in the show. I got to agree with you. I will go with Sensational Sherry as well. I mean, she had a ton of great talent with her, as you stated. And, I mean, she was kind of a legit manager with a lot of the other women on that list. And you could even throw in uh, Miss Elizabeth. They kind of didn't do like the stereotypical manager roles where they were cutting promos for their talent. And I think Sensational Sherry was not only a really good manager, she was also a pretty good wrestler back in her day as well. Absolutely. And she was a part of one of the greatest segments I've ever seen, The Sexy Kurt. She'll help Kurt make your ankle hurt. No, we're not doing that? All right, I'm sorry. Um, Hootie Who 420. Hootie Who. Mates, you gents always uh, discuss StarCast. What are some cool experiences you had? Brandon, what are some cool experiences at StarCast? Well, at StarCast, I didn't do exactly everything I wanted. I didn't get to really do any of the podcast shows. but So for the most part, it was mostly just kind of meeting people and just walking around and seeing some of the cool merch and stuff like that. Overall, the I don't know if I'd say the highlight... But I think it started off very nicely on Thursday. Maybe the wait in line wasn't very fun, but the meeting the Young Bucks was probably was really good. But I think my favorite moment is probably not me. Well, I, I guess I did meet Hurricane, but my friend, lovely and esteemed co-host of the Curveballs and Chair Shots, Dominic, meeting Shane Helms. And he was just a blubbering idiot, and he was marking out, and I had to help, had to help your boy out. And uh, if you would like to, you can go to the Curveballs and Trash Shots archives where we talk about that story on our Las Vegas Double or Nothing trip recap. He, he was marking out big time, huh? Yeah, big, big Hardy Boy fan. So, you know, all those North Carolina people, oh, big fan. Okay. Yeah, I was standing in line to, uh, to meet Arn, and Hurricane walks by me and my boy Ashley, and Ashley's like, what's up with that? And Hurricane's like, what's up with that? What's up with what? And I'm like, oh, that's funny. Um, I, you know, it was just cool, man. You just, you're walking around Caesars, and there's Brian Pillman Jr., there's Hornswoggle, there's Jacob Fatu, there's Eric Bischoff, and Kevin Nash, and uh, Greg Valentine being a carny outside where you think you can catch him for free, but he's like, 20 bucks. 
Um, but I think one of the coolest things I got to see was Tom McGee. You know, he was a guy that was a part of one of the true last folklores of professional wrestling, the Lost Tape, which WWE they they pulled the move of releasing all that before Starcast when they found out he and Brett were gonna be there. I'm like, ha, huh, that's funny. So I thought that was really cool to, just to see that guy who has been MIA for the last 25, 30 years, possibly, you know? Uh, but it, it was cool, man. Just, you get to meet uh, just a lot of your favorites. Like, I got to uh, talk to Cody again. I got to finally meet the Young Bucks. Got to meet Dustin. Uh, quick quick encounters with guys like Matt Stryker and Justin Roberts I thought were cool. Uh, Joey Janela real quick dapped him up. So stuff like that's awesome, man. So whenever we get to experience a, a Russell Khan or a StarCast again, uh, when it's safe, please go, guys, because I know I had the time of my life. I can uh, safely say Brandon did, and by the sound of it, Dominic absolutely lost his mind. Exactly, and the studio audience got to meet the big quiche, Rikishi. Oh, that's what's up. That's what's up. I dapped up Rikishi real quick in the hallway. Shout out, shout out, quiche. Oh, by the way, I got to meet the smoke show, so it 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 it, it was all worth it. That and the beautiful people, all worth it. I was going to meet Allie, but unfortunately I met her on Saturday where she was not available. But I did meet Rosemary and Crazy Steve, which was an experience. Hey, oh, shout out Rosemary. Love Rosemary. All right, Alfie Lewis. I've heard you guys discuss it a little bit, but uh, just give your full-blown thoughts on the WWE Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. I, I guess I'll go first. Um, You know, look, 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 look here. Like... The WWE Hall of Fame, they're, I have my qualms with it, like the celebrity wing. Like I love Mike Tyson. I, he might buy my ear off. Love him to death. Love Snoop Dogg. Doggy style album all day. You feel me? But listen, I don't believe celebrities need to be in the Hall of Fame. Drew Carey, hell of an actor, sure. Wholesome Price is right. He doesn't need to be in the Hall of Fame. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, the Hall of Fame should be for the men and women that laced up a pair of boots or managers like a Sensational Sherry or a Bobby Heenan that really uh, just gave way and paid to the business. Now, look, they do the Warrior Award thing, which, you know, I have my qualms about the Ultimate Warrior, but like like Connor, the little kid that had cancer, and you have Sue Atchison that helps out with the Make, uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation and stuff like that. I'm okay with that. That's fine. That's absolutely fine, you know, paying homage to these courageous people. I'm, I'm okay with that. But uh, the, the Hall of Fame thing, we don't need to do that. I mean, look at the guy that runs our country. He's in there, so I guess, I guess anybody can get in, you know? Yeah, the Hall of Fame, I don't take it super seriously. I mean, it's a show, and I understand that. So I'm not one of those people that gets up in arms that some people aren't in or some people are in. It's kind of like a convention like starcast is it's you, you trot out some of the greatest hits they come out they talk some longer than others but overall i mean it's all right when it comes i mean now that wrestlemania has kind of become so big and they have so many events not only in wwe but a, but all the other indie companies that i used to watch the hall of fame even like before it was on the network because i thought it was cool but now that there's just so much other stuff to watch i'd much rather see you know a blood sport or some other indie event than sit there for four hours and watch the hall of fame oh no i'm, I'm still watching the hall of fame for four hours though yeah. I, I, I mean respect- I, I went to the hall of fame once in person it was fun but i'm never doing that again i i, I respect the business too much i'll i'll, I'll still do it though all right, uh, this one's from Baby Huey from 1077 The Bone in, in The Click. Catch me on In The Click. I, I guess I'm a weekly fixture now. Uh, please have Brandon explain how awesome Stone Cold Steve Austin is. Well, I mean, he is Stone Cold effing Steve Austin. He's not only the greatest draw in pro wrestling history, he's also the greatest merch man in pro wrestling history he's got the best shirts he's the coolest yes he might not have been the best wrestler in the world but he was working with you know a a broken stack of dimes so he was able to work through all that he drinks beer he kicks ass he drives whatever has wheels i mean how can you not like stone cold i mean stone stone cold he uh he, he he's nice he's very nice have some of his beer in my fridge yes sir all right, Jack of all trades. Cody and Sonny was a nice opener. Nice to see Sonny finally have a chance to shine. We're going to discuss that when we talk about AEW uh, Dynamite slash Fight for the Fallen. Uh, Hootie Who 420. Marco. St- oh, I'm sorry. Hootie Who. There we go. Marco Stunt. What a fun, interesting young mate. Uh, he 
He's a character, man. Oh, I got to walk past him at uh, the karaoke thing for StarCast. He, he's, he's a small boy. Like, not even on TV, just up close. That is a small man. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan of the promo that they cut after Jericho got juiced. I, I mean, I thought it was kind of stupid. Not only the Marco stunt, but also the Luchasaurus aspect as well. But Marco stunt, I think he does have a lot of upside. Yes, he does kind of lose all of his matches. But from what I've seen and heard from people who've saw, seen his work on the indie scene, that he, if he's put in the right predicament, he can definitely work. All right. Uh, and brightest day X, Mr. X. Or, yeah, 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 here we go. So, uh, fun fact about the OG FTW title, it was an old ECW title, which was also which also used the winged eagle design. Uh, the strap was painted orange, and the part that says television champion on the side plates were covered up with FTW stickers. Uh, it wasn't until a few months later that the title we now see was made, if memory serves. And as he sends a picture of the... Uh, the, the original FTW title. I like it, though. Am I the only one who's enjoying the Oni Lork and Timothy Thatcher feud? I didn't know they were feuding. They had a pretty good match on the Great American Bash last week, I believe. I have not seen NXT quite yet, but it was definitely a different match. I mean, they wrestled, like, you know, catch as cast can style for a good 10 minutes, something that you normally wouldn't see on WWE television. But I am enjoying what Timothy Thatcher is doing. I'm excited and happy for him that he is getting this television time. I was thinking that maybe he was just going to be kind of a one-off with Matt Riddle, a fill-in for Pete Dunne. But they're definitely pushing him and making him a semi-focal point of the show every single week. All right. Uh, Sonny Kiss deserves more TV time. Great in-ring talent. I I liked what I saw. I did. I did. Uh, the evil era of Bullet Club has taken over NJPW. Yes, it has. And lastly, he gives us top 10 wrestler catchphrases and top 10 worst gimmicks. Ooh. I, I like all these top 10s he's given us over the last couple weeks. I'm gonna, we're going to have to use a couple of these. Oh, get, go check out our top 10 wrestling themes. Excuse my hiccup at uh, number 6. But, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was fun, guys. It was fun, guys. Take a wild guess of what my number one is. You, you uh, guys were never going to know what my number one would be. My, my number one is better than his number one all day. It's a mystery that no one sees. Yeah. I said it. Oh, uh, Brandon, what's going on with Monday Night Raw? Well, Monday Night Raw was a thing. We had the VIP lounge. We had Dolph Ziggler come out. Still haven't exactly done or he hasn't exactly announced his stipulation. We will talk about in the Extreme Rules, the horror show preview that there is a rumor about what stipulation it will be. But him, Andrew and MVP all kind of go back and forth. And it's kind of your cookie cutter opening segment for all. Yes, 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 it is. Uh, MVP with that brand new United States Championship on the on the lounge or the VIP lounge. Yes, uh, I mean Drew basically says I'm 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 gonna hurt you. That's that's what's gonna happen here. And uh, yeah, that's I guess that's it. Yeah, it was nothing too spectacular. Going back to the U.S. title, Apollo Cruz hasn't really been there, and VIP and MVP is like the holder of the new title. So if Apollo Crews wins, does he take the new title? Or because like I feel as though like that's MVP's quote unquote fake US title. It's it's kind of weird how they're kind of framing it. Well, I mean, it depends on who's gonna tell him what people are gonna tell him backstage. Um, yeah, I mean, Bruce Pritchard probably be like, all right, yeah, you have to. This is the direction the company's gonna be going, and you have to. Uh, yeah, you have to take this new championship design. Rumor has it that the uh, NXT championship and the tag titles are reportedly supposed to be getting new designs as well. I do like the NXT title design. They've already changed it up once before. But if they change it up again, I, what I've heard is it's not too big of a, a difference from the NXT title perspective. The tag titles, I haven't really seen or heard anything. But... It's WWE, they're always changing it up, merchandise and everything like that, so it's not really shocking that another title is going to be changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, the reason why they had to change them the first time is because of Paige's actions. Mm-hmm. 
Anyways, let's talk about Randy Orton. He cuts a promo. Basically, you know, his the same old, same old where he's the heel that is trying to justify his actions that he's doing good work and you know everybody that he's hurt and done things to deserved it and he's now he's pointing his actions towards the big show rick flair is still there and he has a match with our truth they do a little bit uh build up beforehand and randy orton comes out our truth comes out our truth you know gets a little bit for like two seconds and then rko we're done Yes, hell of a sell by our truth of that RKO, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I don't think that's the first time he's taken an RKO. But, I mean, still, just hell of a sell. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, Randy, he, he he's justifying his actions. Like, I, I was trying to protect Edge, Christian. I, I, I was trying to protect you, and I don't know what's going to happen to Big Show. I know they're going to have an unsanctioned fight at uh, Extreme Rules, the horror show, apparently. So I believe that... it's going to be next week on Raw. Oh, next week on Raw. On, I don't think it's on Extreme Rules. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Excuse me. Well, they're going to have an uh, unsanctioned fight, and yeah, enough said. Really, I mean, I like it that it's going to be on Raw and not on Extreme Rules. It gives it a little bit of time. You can still do some more promo work, and I think even like on this show, they did some good work, kind of building up the main event with the uh, tag team titles, but. Next up, we have Seth Rollins taking on Kevin Owens, a rematch from WrestleMania. And what do you do with maybe your biggest hyped-up match between Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio? You have one of those competitors lose pretty clean six days before the pay-per-view. Well, he lost to what, according to you, was the best finishing move in the history of the business. Well, I mean, I... I I said the st- I did say the Stone Cold Stunner. I didn't just say the Stunner. Oh, 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 okay, okay, okay. I mean, but he learned from Stone Cold. I mean, so yeah, but you know, it's some sometimes you know the next thing isn't always the best thing. I mean, look, you know, Owens was just dropping a stunner. He never did the kick before. Once he's added the kick, it's really put into maximum effect how he finishes his matches and wins. Yeah, but can he do it in skin tight jorts? I. I don't know. We're going to have to find out, you know? Yeah. I don't like the fact that Rollins lost. So, I mean, Ray has to get his comeuppance, which we expect to happen at Extreme Rules. But Rollins took this big big loss to Kevin Owens, so he has to redeem himself. So, it, it's going to be interesting, you know? I think we'll both have our, our final thoughts on what's going to happen once we get to uh, Extreme Rules, the horror show predictions. Yeah, I mean, I kind of said it. I don't like having Seth Rollins lose this closely to Extreme Rules. And, I mean, Kevin Owens, he just came back. You can have a match with Murphy. You can have a match with somebody else of, you know, Seth Rollins trying to recruit somebody or something like that. I just don't feel as though this match needed to take place on such short notice, not a whole lot of build. And then in the end, the more pushed act who has a marquee match coming up this week ends up losing which kind of defeats the purpose of Rey Mysterio getting his win because you just saw Seth Rollins get his comeuppance against Kevin Owens or hell you just have our Seth win which I do think is a likely possibility but in the main event we had Sasha Banks and Bayley defeating the Kabuki Warriors to retain their women's tag team titles we get Sasha Banks putting the Banks statement on Kyrie, kind of the Finish we all saw coming, protect the champions. The lone non-champion takes the fall here. Uh, I thought there was a good near fall at the very end. Asuka not really paying attention, but Bailey was able to break up the pin at the very end after an insane elbow. Good work. You know, the women went about over 20 minutes, so good stuff. What you would expect from these four women. Hopefully Kyrie still sticks around, but it seems as though this uh, might be her swan song. Yes, I've heard rumblings that she's going to leave WWE. Hell, go over to uh, go, go over to AEW. They, the women's division needs help. She would be a great asset. Yeah. I think at this point, any uh, women from... Not like any woman from WWE, but there's a lot of talent on the WWE, and especially the NXT roster that I would like to see jump ship to AEW. Absolutely, man. Uh, we, what else happened on Raw? Speaking of the women's division, we got Ruby Riot finally finds a friend 
to counteract the Iconics. It's not Liv Morgan, but it is the returning Bianca Belair. Remember her? She showed up like the day after WrestleMania, and she did some things with the Street Profits that we haven't seen her since. And then she comes and helps out Ruby Riot, and apparently Bianca Belair is the key ingredient because they beat the Iconics in like five minutes, and Bianca Belair pretty much did all the work. I'm happy that Belair actually got the win and was very dominant. But what the hell was going on for the past three months that she wasn't getting any work? Uh, no, she was getting work. She was on main event. The whole time, guys. The whole time. Once again, just like Dark and the Nightmare Sisters, nobody watches that. How dare you? How how dare you? She's been doing great work on main events. She's been picking up quite a few wins. But look, she comes back to help Ruby Ride defeat the Iconics. Oh, go check out Peyton Royce's interview with my homie Chris Van Vliet. It's phenomenal. Uh, yeah, she hits, uh, I think it was what... Peyton or Billy, I forget, I forget which one got pinned, but hits one of them with the KOD to kiss of death. One, two, three, Bianca and Ruby Ride get the big dub. And that wasn't the only return of a missing person that happened on Monday Night Raw, guys. Yeah, before R-Truth and Randy Orton had their match, R-Truth continued with his feud with Tazawa and all the ninjas. He challenged him to a 24-7 title, and before the match can really take place, Shayna Baszler... Makes her illustrious return, as I kind of said with Bianca Belair. Where the hell has she been? She cut a, pro- a great promo on a fetus, and she hasn't been seen since. And then she chokes out some ninjas, and she basically says, the funny business is over, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming, or whatever. I don't know. Oh, so she started rapping MVP's theme? I'm coming. One, two, you hit, no? No, she didn't do that? Maybe. I mean, MVP is looking for some uh, new members for his... Hey, Alliance. I mean, Lashley's a killer. I I don't know if he still manages uh Shane Thorne and Brendan Vink, but uh, adopt adopt Shayna Baszler, dude. Let's let's go for it. Why not? I'm excited to see what Shayna Baszler does. Kind of lining things up. Oscar retains, and Oscar Baszler going into SummerSlam could be a lot of fun. Absolutely. But my girl Sasha, she has to win the title. Though I'm just saying. <clears throat> We'll get to that in a little bit. But first, we got AEW Dynamite. Philip, do you want to hit him with it? AEW Dynamite! Semicolon, fight for the fallen. There you go. We kick it off with the TNT Championship match. Cody, don't call him Rhodes, defends against Sonny Kiss. The first major match we've seen of Sonny Kiss, I think, since the last fight for the fallen, where he... He had a match, and that was kind of like his debut. Very similar. He comes out, and he does the dance with the Jacksonville Jaguars cheerleaders. And Sonny gets a lot of offense. Cody kind of, I mean, I think he definitely was playing the heel in this scenario. We had Tully Blanchard out in the crowd scouting. Uh, A little bit of dissension between him and Art Anderson. But in the end, Cody gets the job done, retains, and he's going to have another match next week. Against whom? We don't know. We do not know. Uh, shout out to Sonny Kiss. You know, I haven't really seen much of his work. I don't think I've really even seen any of his indie work. Apparently, he's been wrestling for about six years now. But, um, yeah, th- he did get a lot of offense. Cody, he played the heel because, I mean, Sonny's just such a likable guy. He, he, he can't be the heel there. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, this it, it, it was good. It was a nice showing from Sonny Kiss. Cody, obviously, he got the job done, retained the TNT Championship, the title of America's Greatest Network. So... I think, you know, even in defeat, Sonny was elevated here, and I can't wait to see what he does next. Yeah, I very much enjoyed how Sonny was portrayed. You know, he had his fun. He did his his stuff beforehand with the cheerleaders, but then once the match started, he got serious. He did. He got the job. He almost got the job done, but I'm very intrigued to see what they do with Cody. We've kind of talked about it a little bit. A little bit of dissension between him and Arn. Tully lurking in the shadows. Possibly a heel turn by Cody. And we also have possibly another heel turn in the Elite. And maybe we get a, a certain four-person faction in AEW, Philip. Oh. Oh, oh God. Oh, my. I don't know. They could possibly be with Forever the Revival, Fear the Revolt, whatever the hell their name is. But they went up against the Lucha Bros. I guess FTR technically are still baby faces, but I don't know after this match because they go and have the Lucha Bros. I mean, this was another really good match between the four. Butcher and Blade were kind of out in the concourse area with FTR's truck. In the end, 
Cash, da- Cash Wheeler, right? That's the one who. Yes, ripped- yes, that, that 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 is. No, no, that's Dax Harwood. Dax rips uh, Pentagon's. Phoenix, sorry, Phoenix's mask off, hits the roll up, gets the win. So kind of a cheeky finish, heelish finish. I like how Excalibur explained that if this was in Mexico, that would have been a DQ. But in AEW, the rule does not apply. And FTR gets the win. As I kind of said, heel turn, kind of, not really. Kenny comes out, tries to make a peace offering. He has some beers, and they were going to cheer and drink together. But FTR pours the beers over Kenny. Kenny gets a little agitated, which transfers over to the match he has later on in the show. Yes. Um, I, I, I spoke about this last week, how I was most excited for FTR versus the Lucha Bros. And while it was good, it was really good. Um, the, the next match that did happen after this was... Uh, it was my favorite of the night. I'll say that. And uh, look, um, Dax, you know, ripping off Phoenix's mask. It was it was a it was a cheeky win. It doesn't it doesn't really do uh, it doesn't bury the, the Lucha Bros quote unquote because apparently if you lose one match in the business you're buried. Uh, but you know they didn't lose cleanly, so that protects them in a way. And also, you know, FTR they keep gaining momentum with their uh, wins because wins do matter in AEW. So it worked out well for everyone, I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a good win. They're definitely protecting FTR. They're well, not they're not undefeated, undefeated, but they've been winning all of their tag team matches, and I think they're definitely kind of building towards Kenny and Hangman for the titles. And I'm excited to see how that match plays out as well. Then we get Jericho and the Inner Circle. They are celebrating Jericho's win over Orange Cassidy. They had half gallons of orange juice. They do Jericho things. His new gimmick now is the demo god. So playing off of what he's been doing on Twitter, explaining to all of us nonsensical marks that it's the 18 to 35 demo that matters and not the total viewership. And then we get Orange Cassidy comes out. He does the whole Batista gimmick, thumbs up, thumbs down, and we get orange juice raining from the sky. And Jericho's $7,000 coat is ruined. To hell with Orange Cassidy. Hate that guy. Him and Pineapple Pete hate both of them. How do they do that to my friend, Chris Jericho? My fellow Canadian. Jericho really has a problem with citrus, don't you think? Yeah, maybe he's uh, not, not the biggest fruit guy. Maybe he's more of a vegetable guy. Yeah, that's possibly. That's why he, he at 49 is still in a, such a fantastic shape. Yes, absolutely. Overall, I mean, I liked it. I wasn't Santana, right? Is the one that was just flopping all over the place, and I feel as though that was... I think that's, or- that's Ortiz. I am just on a roll right now. Ortiz. Yeah, yes. He was definitely all over the place, and I didn't like it too much. I mean, you can do the kind of slip and bump, bump, but I, I felt as though he kind of played it up a little bit too much, and yes, that whole segment was kind of supposed to be a comedy segment, but I like how Jericho is able to be serious yet comical at the same time, and then Jericho had to go on commentary because the first half it was Excalibur, JR, and Taz, no Tony Schiavone because his COVID test was his results weren't in yet. And so there's some complications or whatever with that. So just out of caution, he wasn't there. So Taz did first hour and then Jericho doused in orange juice did the second hour. That must have been very uncomfortable for my friend Chris Jericho to have to sit there drenched in orange juice. I mean, it, start, it gets sticky, you know, because of the ingredient. Oh, God. Oh, God. He's a he's a brave brave man that Chris Jericho. Absolutely, I, it had to be a refreshing smell for uh, Excalibur and good old Jim Ross though. Quite possibly. So the next match is the Elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks taking on the Jurassic Express. Jurassic Express reacted to Jericho getting juiced, which I talked about. wasn't the biggest fan of that promo, but the Elite defeat Jurassic Express. Kind of a spotty match for my liking you know it's it's what you would expect between all these six guys and the sensible finish or kenny hits the one wing angel on marco stunt gets the win kenny then attacks marco stunt after the match nick comes out and he kind of tries to talk him off the cliff and he tries to calm him down and i definitely am intrigued and excited to see this next chapter of kenny omega because he's finally starting to show some personality and I'm hoping that the cleaner is going to return. Well, you know what? Oh my God! I will say this. 
Uh, I this was my favorite match of the night. I thought it was going to be FTR and the Lucha Bros, but it wasn't. Um, look, man, I, I Kitty Omega just giving that uh that dragon suplex or no tiger suplex I think it is to uh Marco stunt and Marco just landed on his head. I thought that was great. Um, the Super Canadian Destroyer again. Uh, spot being used, whatever. Uh, Marco hitting the uh, the uh, Hurricanrana on a Nick Jackson from the top rope. Thought that was cool. But yeah, man, I, I think I think we are gonna I, get into the cleaner. You know, I said this on in the click last week that you know Kenny should be the one to turn heel and not Hangman Page, and he needs to put back on you know those sinister shades, the long black trench coat. You know, get the, dye the hair chrome again, get the chrome dome going back, and yeah, let's let's get the guy that. Uh, Kicked AJ Styles out of Bullet Club. Let's get him back. They've even sort of hinted at that on being the elite as well. As I said, you have Cody possibly turning heel. I think FTR is going to turn heel eventually. And what I was kind of hinting at is maybe Cody teams up with Tully and Sean Spears. And then, you know, the American Nightmare, Dusty's kid doing the unthinkable, actually joining a horseman and becoming the new four horsemen with FTR and Sean Spears. Maybe Kenny joins it, but I think Kenny is definitely better as a lone ranger. And so now the elite is kind of in shambles. I mean, not in shambles, but it's kind of in question right now. What's going to happen. You got hangman page kind of distancing himself. And I definitely think he's going to be a baby face when all things are said and done. Cause I think the original plan was hangman to turn, but since hangman got so hot that they had to switch it, and make Kenny be the heel, which I think is the better scenario. No, absolutely. I, I 100% agree with you there. Then we got the Nightmare Sisters, Brandy Rhodes and Allie with Dustin Rhodes in their corner. As I said, this is kind of a dark thing that I don't really watch. But uh, Allie is apparently, you know, chopping it up with QT. QT isn't there right now because he tested positive for the Rona. And they have a match against Kenji. Kenzie Page and MJ Jenkins. Nobody got hurt. That's all we can ask for. Yes, nobody did get hurt. Uh, Allie getting a big victory. You know, shout out Allie. Great talent. Former TNA Knockouts Women's Champion, I might add. Yes. Great wrestler. Great wrestler. Yes, 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 yes. This, this, I was very excited for what happened next. Well, we have Nile. Well, we have Dasha coming out and she introduces the. Native Beast Nyla Rose. Shout out Dasha. She's going to be on the Titan Games next week. The kind of game show that the Rock hosts. So excited to see her on that. But Nyla Rose comes out. Dasha questions her about her manager. Nyla doesn't say anything. But Vicky Guerrero comes out. And let me just say this. Vicky Guerrero's theme song, an absolute banger. I mean, the dubstep version of Excuse Me. I mean, come on. No, no, it, it was, and shout out Dasha, she was on Talk as Jericho last week, go listen to that, it's fantastic. Um, look man, uh, Huey and I were kind of discussing, like, you know, could it be Vicky Guerrero, and I, I was hoping for it, because just, like, I, you know, I hated Vicky Guerrero as a child, when she was yelling, excuse me, with Edge and all that other stuff, but her yelling excuse me to try to introduce her cl- client, the native beast, Nyla Rose, I, I love it, dude, she's annoying, and she's supposed to be, and I, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I was kind of wondering who her manager was going to be because I thought they were going to go down the woman's route. And Vicky Guerrero was just kind of hiding in plain sight for me because she was on Dynamite, you know, a few weeks ago with the Inner Circle. She's done some commentary for Dark. So I think I, I should have seen this coming, but I do feel as though Vicky Guerrero is a good addition. I think Nyla, in ring wise, still needs some work. I think. If she's just kind of the silent beast, doesn't really do a whole lot, maybe says uh, you know, a sentence or two, that's fine. But I think Vicky definitely can carry the promos, carry the conversations with Nyla going forward. And Hikaru Shida, uh, I, don't, I forget if she responded to this, or she, but she basically just cut a promo basically saying that Nyla is kind of the pseudo number one contender because all the other women are kind of out for various different reasons. But uh, we have Ivelisse showing up next week, which I'm very intrigued to see. I loved what she did on... Uh, lucha underground and i think her coming into AEW could be a fantastic boost for the women's division absolutely man uh, eva leash you know she was on that uh that season of tough enough with uh, aj kirsch and uh, matt cross go check that out from 2011 hosted by the great stone cold of course but yeah man i mean look vicky guerrero hosts uh managing nyla rose i mean who better really you, you look at vicky's career trajectory she got edge multiple world titles she got Dol- she got dolph ziggler you know an ic title a u.s title and she got him to the world title 
That's that that's the perfect person you want in your corner. I, I love it. She has so much experience too. So that's that that's great. Yeah, hopefully they don't overuse her because I do think Vicky kind of does, you know, walk the line on real heat and kind of go away annoying heat with her gimmick. But I think since Nyla doesn't really get a whole lot of TV time to begin with that, I don't think they're just going to overexpose her. And I'm excited to see what they do with her because the women's division definitely needs kind of shot in the army. Maybe Vicky could be this and maybe they kind of have a little faction built around her. I like that. I like that a lot. In the main event, this was supposed to happen last week, but it got pushed back. John Moxley defending his AEW World Championship against Brian Cage. We get a promo during the show about uh, John Moxley kind of talking about everything going on in his life. You know, it's kind of chaotic and he wants to, you know, hurt someone and he's going to maybe he can't do the uh, I was almost going to say dirty deeds, the paradigm shift. He can't maybe he can't do that because that's what Taz said, but he's going to break uh Brian Cage's bicep again. Cage was on the show for five months because of that. Taz cuts a promo after Cage does his entrance. They have a match. In the end, Moxley working on that bicep, and Taz throws in the towel. We've seen that finish once before with MJF. Yes, 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 we have. But I mean, look, look, John Moxley, or yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do it like Roberts does it. Anyway, Moxley retains the AEW title. It doesn't matter. You know, Brian Cage is still the FTW world champion. All right? It's okay. The, the slogan still stands. You know, beat him if you can, survive if he lets you. It still stands. So, you know, we're, 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 we're still in good business here. I was okay with the finish. You definitely want to uh, protect Cage a little bit. And I, I definitely see the story that they're going with. Cage didn't tap. He technically maybe wasn't going to lose the match to begin with. But Taz is kind of playing the long game, trying to save his monster for later on down the line. He doesn't want to re-tear his bicep, be out for six months. So I think there's definitely a sports-like story to tell there. Moxley still gets the victory, and we get a returning Darby Allen. We've seen some of his vignettes doing some crazy stunts with Tony Hawk, with Travis Pastrana, but he is back. Brian Cage was the person who put him on the shelf to begin with, so Darby Allen. They do the whole ECW gimmick where the lights go out and someone returns. And that was Darby Allen, and we get kind of a new, whatever you want to call it, friendship or kind of, I mean, they've kind of hinted at this a few times during Dynamite, but Darby Allen and Moxley kind of teaming up and possibly Cage and whoever else they go at each other. Yes, yes, that that's going to happen. Um, I, I'm glad Darby Allen's back. You know, I, I like the kid. I do. He, he's got he's got spunk. He's got spunk. Uh, he's been doing stuff with uh, Tony Hawk. And who's the other guy? Travis Pastrana, one of the greatest freestyle trick shot motocross riders of all time. That's great. You know, I want to see him do stuff with uh, Rob Deirdrick from, uh, uh, oh, what is it? What is it? Ridiculousness. Do stuff from with Robin that guy. Big. Yes, that, that guy's great. Do stuff, do stuff with that. Love it. Love it. Um, well, I guess that's Fight for the Fall. And what's, what's next, man? Well, finally, we have our Extreme Rules predictions, which I guess the Bullet Cast title is on the line. I'm Charlie Brown with the football. I keep missing up by like one, but this time, damn it, I'm going to win it and, until I don't. Okay, they're, they're, baby Huey may be in on these predictions too. I don't know yet. I'll know by the end of the night. All right, so the first match on the list here, we have the SmackDown Women's Championship. Bailey defending against Nikki Cross. Be honest, haven't been watching too much of SmackDown, so I haven't been really keeping up. But Nikki has made some appearances on Raw. I feel as though Bailey still holds on to the title. Maybe she loses it at SummerSlam. They're definitely building up Bailey as not like an unstoppable force, but being the longest reigning champion and everything like that. And I just don't feel Nikki winning it here on an undercard match where there's not a lot of buildup makes so much sense right now. Yeah, no, it doesn't doesn't make sense. I mean, Bailey, she's. Probably doing some of the best work of her career besides being a uh, lovable hugging person with wacky, wavy, inflatable, arm-flailing tube men. So I'm I'm for Aunt Pam, haircut, Bailey all day. All right, then another SmackDown match. We have Bray Wyatt taking on Braun Strowman in a Wyatt 
Swamp Fight. Now, it doesn't say that this is for the Universal title, so I assume this is a non-title Wyatt Swamp Fight. Oh, no, it's it's for, the, it's for the Universal title. I'm sorry. Okay, just making sure, because once again, I'm not keeping up tabs on SmackDown all that much. But uh, since it is for the title, I will go with Braun Strowman. We're going to get seemingly the Colt Bray Wyatt. Oh, persona. wait, no, 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 no. It, I, I, I just checked out to make sure it is non-title. Well, that switches it up a bit. If it is non-title, I think. Well, I think the finish is going to be ambiguous. I feel as though maybe we're just going to have like a non-finish. So I'm going to do something that I don't think we've ever really done. I think we've maybe done it once or twice, but I will go with a non-finish, a no contest. I feel as though something's going to happen to where there's not a clear-cut winner. Okay, okay, he's going to go non-finish. We put that down here. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Strowman. I'm, yeah, I, I think I'm gonna do that. I think Strowman's gonna beat him at his own game, and then that's gonna bring out the Fiend at SummerSlam. Okay. I mean, definitely, if there's one person, I think it would be Strowman. I think Bray Wyatt has kind of fallen off the wagon a little bit, but I mean, it's fine. Uh, then we get the United States Championship. I guess title for title. We get Apollo Crews with the old version, taking on MVP with the new version. They haven't done really anything with Apollo Crews. I know they kind of written him off with kind of the beatdown a few weeks ago. They are pushing MVP. I, I think I'm going to go with MVP to get the title here. They're sort of hinting a little bit at maybe MVP, you know, maybe turning babyface or Bobby Lashley turning on MVP. So I could basically maybe see that going on. So I'm going to go with MVP to win this match. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was picking MVP as well. I mean, you have a very interesting scenario here where the manager uh, is the champion and the guy that's constantly in competition is not. I don't think it's ever been done before. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Apollo Crews. I wish they could do more with him. And they're giving this U.S. title, which should on paper seem that he's they're doing something with them but i just feel as though the bigger story is mvp and apollo cruz is just kind of an afterthought at the moment absolutely then we get the raw women's championship we get oscar taking on the champ or oscar the champ taking on sasha banks they're both champs because sasha banks is the women's tag team champions but as i sort of hinted at i think with Shayna baszler returning i think you're going to go with oscar uh, retaining here and you build to that match at SummerSlam. Bianca Belair is also waiting in the wings. I think Belair can be a possible heel or babyface challenger, but I think Asuka gets the job done and retains her championship. Um, you know what? My heart disagrees with you, but my brain does not. You know, I got, I got, I got to think smart if I want to retain my championship. But I think we've agreed, except for the Bray Wyatt Braun Strowman on every single one. Oh, I po possibly, dude. I mean, do you want me to? I'm not going to just say say things so I can lose my title. I'm not. I'm not going to do that here. Uh, look on the next one. You know what? Mm. Well, I mean, in the main event, or what I think could be the main event. I think you were on record saying that you were going with the quote unquote underdog. So okay, you, you, you know what? In the main event, I picked Dolph Ziggler to become the WWE champion. There we go. There we go. That's Love that's to see that's it. on record. That's on record. And I will go with Drew McIntyre because it's Drew McIntyre taking off Dolph Ziggler and I'm not an idiot. But are you going to go with Asuka as well for the Raw Women's Championship? I, I did. Asuka's locked in. But we have one more match to discuss. We do have one more match to discuss. And so we do this on Curveballs and Share Shots. Philip, I will ask you, what is the main event? Is it Eye for an Eye, which might be the most hyped up? It will be one of those pre-taped kind of theatrical matches or will it be the traditional WWE championship match or another one? Uh, it, it might have to be the eye for an eye, dude. I mean, I, I've heard they're going to be using some CGI with it. So you have to save that for the main event. I definitely agree. I think they are pushing this so hard that they will go the eye for the eye in the main event. Now, as I said last week, this matchup and this stipulation is so stupid that I'm very intrigued to see how they pull this off or, don't pull it off. I mean, they, they last time they did their, you know, theatrical match was that stupid uh, Street Profits and 
Viking Warrior Experience match. Well, that wasn't even really a match, but I digress. Seth Rollins lost last week, so I think he's going to get his heat back. It's WWE 50-50 booking, and I think with Ray possibly not being on a WWE contract and maybe leaving, he has the mask. I think you have a little bit more options to play with getting his eye ripped out. So I'm going to go with Seth. I'm kind of excited to see this match for all the wrong reasons. All the wrong reasons. <laughs> you just want to see somebody's eye ripped out. Uh, I don't know, man. You know, they, they, they could obviously just have Seth wear an eye patch like Moxley did or like uh, like Steve Johnson on Days of Our Lives. I know that's a random random saying there. Um, mm, mm. Gee, oh, Jesus. Oh, God. You know, oh, gee. I'm trying to. I'm really trying to think here. I'm. 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 I'm scared, guys. I don't want to lose my championship. I. I guess I'll go Seth too. Oh God. Smart man. Smart man. So with the rundown, we both have Bailey retaining the SmackDown Women's Championship. I have a no contest in the Wyatt Swamp fight, while Philip has Braun Strowman winning. We both have MVP winning the United States Championship, and also Asuka retaining her Raw Women's Championship. We got Seth Rollins ripping out Rey Mysterio's eyeball. Philip has Dolph Ziggler winning the championship, the WWE Championship, while I have Drew McIntyre retaining. So we differentiate on two different matches. So you could get a tie, or someone could get the clean sweep. Absolutely. You never you never know, ladies and gentlemen. You never know. With possibility of baby Huey making a run in and winning the whole thing. Yep, yeah, that's that, you never know, dude. So Philip, who is your superstar spotlight? Who do you got? Who do you got? Who do you got? See, I did the gimmick. Thanks, man. God, you're probably better at this than I am. I don't know. Um looking back at it. Uh Happy belated birthday to Brock Lesnar, by the way. Um, I will go with Kenny Omega. I know. I know people are shocked by that. But uh, yeah, and it was starting to show a little bit a little bit more character work here, you know. Hints of the cleaner is coming back, and I like that. Kenny, I said it before I'll say it again. Become a bad guy. Get the long trench coat. Get those sinister shades. Dye your hair chrome. Let's get the chrome dome going back again. Well, if you're going to go with my boy, Kenny Omega, then I'll go with your boy. And I will pick Cody. Very similar to Kenny, possibly hinting at a heel turn. I thought the match with Sunny Kiss was really good. I think that might be my favorite match of the night. And I think that they're definitely telling a lot of different storylines within the elite. And I'm intrigued to see where it goes. So, Philip, what's your promo pick? Uh, my promo pick is the Samoan Dynasty Invasion from All Pro Wrestling War at the Shore, September 27th, 2019. That was the night that I interviewed the homie outlandish Zicky Dice. And it was in the bunkhouse stampede in which Will Hobbs won to become the number one contender for the All Pro Wrestling Universal Championship that Jake, Jacob Fatu wasn't having it. So he, he, just, he just started super kicking people and then... As, as as we were sitting uh, by the commentary, uh, you, we look over to the right and you just see a whole bunch of people in masks. And you're like, they were ahead of the game, by the way, with all those masks they had on. <laughs> you see the Samoan Dynasty. You see uh, Tonga Kid. You see Rikishi. You see, I think it was uh, Lance Onawai. And you see all, all these other, basically everybody that's a part of the Onawai family that's not in WWE was out there. And dude, it was it was dope. That was one of the cool, most coolest, badass things I've ever seen at a wrestling show. And Rikishi just cut the promo straight, like, "Hey, there's all these talk about these great wrestling families, like you know the Hearts or the Von Erichs or whatever. But my family has dominated this business for generations." And that I thought that was really dope, dude. Yeah, I was there as well. Very fun to see. I mean, they kind of make the joke that there's like a thousand Samoans that all kind of know each other and they're all related. And I mean, when they were in the ring, they literally filled up that entire ring and it was it was crazy. And normally when you see an indie show, it's just kind of a one off. You have your matches, you have fun, you go home. But they're actually telling a story. And I was intrigued to see what they were going to do. Unfortunately, because of the pandemic, we haven't really seen kind of the next chapter of that. Obviously, we had... Uh, you know, a lot of talent 
in that ring, and I want to see what they do. But it is on YouTube. If you guys want to go check it out, local promotion, APW. I know we talk about it a lot, but if you guys have never actually seen any stuff, go and check this out. Yes, sir. Then moving on to the match pick of the week, we're going to go to ECW Heatwave on one of the 26 greatest days in history, July 18th, 1999, my birthday, my fifth birthday. So, you know, I had to go with something on the 18th and we are going to go with super crazy taking on little Guido. I believe we did a super crazy versus Tajiri match a few months ago. So now we're going to go with little Guido, two people that were in WWE after the ECW shutdown. Never really did too much with them, but if you watch this match in ECW, definitely can see them in their prime having a damn good match. Yes, I mean, this was very good. I mean, you look at what they're going to do outside of WWE, or in WWE, Super Crazy was a part of the Mexicals and uh, Little Guido, you know, the, the FBI, the, the, the full-blooded Italians. You know, it, 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 it was all in good fun. Little Guido was a was a pretty ripped little little guy. Little guy goals right there. Little, little guy boy. goals. Yes. Uh, well, I guess happy early birthday to Brandon, everybody. Yay! Yay! Oh my God, you're gonna be watching TNA Slam anniversary for your birthday, right? Though. Of, of course. Of course. D- drinking some uh, some Steve Weisers. Of hey course. now. So do do you, do you want me to do the? Well, I can do the outro because I can read off a script. So if you guys would like to go follow us, want to hit us up in the DMs, ask us, ask us a question, follow us on Twitter at BullaCast. We're subscribed to us on YouTube and Instagram at BullaCast. Email us at BullaCast2Sweet. That's BullaCast, the number two, sweet, at gmail.com. 99.9 FM, KW in Watsonville. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Spotify, and Patreon. Wherever the hell you get your podcast at, we're there. Yay! Brandon hosts the show, guys. Yay! Yay! Round of applause. I All right. Yeah, oh, my God. Yes, you can. Well, guys, that's going to do it for us. Stay clean, stay strong, stay safe, stay quarantined. Diamonds are forever, and so is the microphone messiah. This has been the Bullet Cast. Thank you for listening.